Once upon a time. I wish in a far off kingdom more than anything lived a young maiden, life, a sad young lad. You. I wish. We just heard, I wish, I wish, keep that in mind. About a week and a half ago, there was a report by Jeff London on All Things Considered, introduced by Mary Louise Kelly, who set the stage in this way. Many fans of the musical Into the Woods just got their wish. The show is a mashup of Grimm's fairy tales that is both silly and serious. A limited run of the production in New York last spring has now been moved to Broadway, where it's been playing to sold-out houses. And today, July 27th, the Broadway revival was officially extended through mid-October. Here's more from reporter Jeff London, who continues. Fresh off their Pulitzer Prize-winning musical Sunday in the Park with George, composer-lyricist Stephen Sondheim and librettist James Lapine wanted to write a new show together and landed on the idea of taking various fairy tales, Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood, Jack and the Beanstalk among them, and mixing them all together with their own story of a childless baker and his wife, Q. Stephen Sondheim, who explains, The show opens with the words, I wish, and closes with the words, I wish. And this isn't just because they're fairy tale languages, but in fact, what the show is about is about a group of people who have various wishes. And during the course of the show, They get their wishes, but in so doing, upset the natural order of things and have to pay for it in the second act, become a community, submerge their individual wishes into a community wish, and thereby save the world, so to speak. Words of Stephen Sondheim from a report by Jeff London on NPR's All Things Considered on July 27th. The music director of the current production in New York observes, in the show, the giant is just the giant. But us as an audience and as humans, we take it to these other places that make it meaningful, and we connect it to the things that are going on in real life, right now. And that's just what the Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre is up to in its upcoming production of Into the Woods, part of the theater's 100th anniversary season. The show will open August 12th and run through the 21st. And as part of the Little Theater's cultural inclusion outreach, they are producing Into the Woods, giving preference to people of color in all creative and technical positions. We had a visit from the director and the baker. Jamil Powers is an actor and director who is a full-time faculty member in the Department of Theater at King's College in Wilkes-Barre. And Lionel Griffin is an actor with extensive film, stage, and television experience. They stopped in to talk about the show, Jamil Powers. I was actually approached by Scott, Scott Collin, who's the artistic director there. He actually reached out to me because we had met each other through a production at Misericordia a couple years ago. It was called Red Rabbit, White Rabbit. And it was a very interesting play because you had to have a new actor every night because the, the actor was given the script at the performance time, and it was essentially like a cold read. So you did like a full-length play cold read in front of an audience. So Scott was one of the performers, uh, Alicia Nordstrom was the other one, and then I was one of the performers as well. So um, he had actually already performed it, so he came and saw me, because I think I was the last one of the three nights, and that's where we met. 
And, you know, he was really impressed, you know, with what I did there. And then you kind of fast forward about a year later, and this is now almost two summers ago, actually, Scott reached out to me and asked me if I was interested in doing this. Because, you know, initially it was kind of sold to me as this was a production of Into the Woods that would try to feature people of color and like the leading roles and kind of open up an avenue for that as a means to allow actors of color to kind of have a place where they could feel safe and feel comfortable and just feel like they had a legitimate shot at roles that were traditionally played by white people. And I heard his pitch and I really thought a lot about it and it was something that I instantly latched onto. I thought that was something that was really interesting and also kind of inspiring. And this was around summer of, I want to think like 2020 now, like 2021. Because initially we were supposed to do it at the end of that summer, but then it got pushed and then it got pushed again. So now this is almost this is almost kind of like a two-year process that's happening, kind of in the making. And now we're here and now we're finally producing it. Schedules <laughs> opened up and things like that. Uh, so, you know, now we're finally here and doing it. Lionel, how did you get to Little Theater in this production? Well, so I'm completely new to the theater market here. I'm originally born, raised in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, but I traveled here three and a half years ago to work with the Shakespeare Theater Company in Harrisburg. They're called Gamut Theater Group. And so I worked for them for about two and a half years, and then I returned back home to spend some time with my family. So as I was doing that, I luckily got a call from Jamil, who was offering me to play the role of the baker, and I had some time in my schedule, so I said, absolutely, it's one of my dream roles. So this is amazing. How did you know to call him? We actually went and got our Masters of Fine Arts together. So we were in the same class. We started in 2015. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we kind of grew as a, essentially as a family over three years, yeah. you know. So you've been my really great friend, like one of my best friends since 2015. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, you know, when we were looking for a baker and I knew I needed someone who could really hammer down the acting part of it. Like I needed someone who was very nuanced and very skilled and very professional. So, you know, when I was looking for bakers and I, and I had a few people in mind that were originally from this area, but they couldn't do it for a number of reasons. So, you know, when we were thinking about it, it's like, why not like Neil? Why not? You know, he's our best bud. And if he's able to do it and, you know, luckily the stars opened up and you were able to come in and do it. And we were just so excited. Yeah. We were elated when that happened. Why is it a dream role for you? I believe that this is for me, like if you want to get something that's really good as far as food or something like that. To me, in musical theater, in the musical theater world, Into the Woods is one of those pieces of cake that, like, mm -hmm. you just want to get your hands on. I think the music is compelling. The story is compelling. I love the characters and the journey and uh, everything that it basically tells for its audiences. So just being able to step into the role of the baker and being able to carry the story is something that I'm just, I'm elated about. I'm loving it. What about Sondheim and the music? Yes. It's tricky. It's complicated. It's very hard. But that's the challenge of it. And I think that's the love that I have for it is, you know, for a fact that you're going to work for it. But once you get to that final outcome, the, the story that you tell, the music that you've locked down is going to just touch so many people. It's touching us as we're learning it. And so I think just being able to have a piece of Sondheim in your repertoire, just to learn it in general, something that every actor should have the opportunity to do. And do it with your bud. And do it with family, yeah, exactly, and exactly. Absolutely. And that's just been so great because we're really, for with this production, really trying to do a deep dive 
and look at these characters, not just as fairy tale creatures, but almost like a very deep character study. Because, you know, all of these characters, if you're familiar with Into the Woods, they all come from this place of trauma. It's something traumatic that's happened in their lives. So when looking at this, that was one of the things that really interests me in doing this was, okay, let's really look at what's happening underneath all. There's the magic and, and the wolves and the, and the princes and the giants. But as people, these are just very broken people that have been broken by different things in their lives so in doing that i knew again i had to recruit really strong actors so you know when you were able to come and and not just be a part of it but to be the baker where the whole plot kind of centers around him it was just so exciting because i know you're an actor who really does the deep dive into the work and that's what's really made it very exciting yes yeah yeah so how are you channeling your inner baker? What are you drawing on? Well, luckily, I mean, I have a director that has an amazing concept. I think when Jamil first presented the concept to me, I connected to it very, very closely. And so I think what connects me to the baker and I think what I really enjoy about it is that it's a story that I feel like so many will also be touched by. The baker comes from a family where he doesn't know his father. He'd never got to meet his mother. He is now in a relationship. He's married with his wife and they've been struggling to have a child and they haven't been able to have a child. So there's so many, so many very uh, deep circumstances that the baker's already carrying from the beginning of the show. And so exploring the relationship between the baker and the baker's wife and how that plays into the story and just figuring out how to make this character human, but overall finding the redeeming quality so that by the time the baker gets to the end of the story, I don't want to spoil it, but you know, mm -hmm. You, you feel that journey that the bakers had to take and you learn from it. And so it's been really powerful for me to actually take on that. What about bringing all of these characters together with their respective problems mm -hmm. and having it not be just a group therapy session or something mm -hmm. like that where the problems dominate? How are you bringing that all together to make that journey? And we're taking that journey together. Absolutely. So yeah, it's actually really awesome that you said a group therapy session because I'm kind of looking at this as all of these characters, because, uh, you know, when you're playing into the woods, this idea of they're going into the woods, there's this, it's this magical place. So with this concept, it's that the woods are a fantasy world that each one of the characters have created in order to avoid their trauma. So it's almost like an escape. So, you know, some of the characters have very particular roles that are being played in this concept. So, for example, like the narrator is playing the role in real life as a psychiatrist. So he's the one who's kind of tying all of the characters together because they've all created these fantasies. And, you know, and how they kind of interlap with one another in that. And this is something that was very insightful and honestly was brought up by my wife, Beth, who's who's acting as the creative consultant for this production. So she's essentially the, the glue that kind of holds everything together. She's an acting coach. She's also there to spitball ideas with me and spitball ideas with Lyneal and doing combat and doing all this stuff, watching our babies. <laughs> like she really is amazing. She's incredible. And But one of the points that she brought up was this idea of that, like in dreams, when you're dreaming. All the people that you see in dreams aren't people that you make up. So they're people that you actually interact with, with subconsciously without even realizing it. So that's kind of how these are all connected is that they've all seen each other within like waiting rooms, lobbies, things like that, because they all go to the same psychiatrist. So that's how all these characters intersect with mm -hmm. one another. And that gives you something, as you say, to work with, right? Yes, a framework. Exactly. Because the thing about it is there is definitely a contrast as far as when you're in the woods, it's very heightened. I think for the bakers, they're kind of like the everyman type of characters where they're not really in the fantastical fantasy world like that. And so 
it's good for them once they're in that world, you see they get to play, they get to explore different things that they don't necessarily do in their everyday life. So it does, it's, it's helped a lot. And we know that Sondheim was a creative, we can use the word genius, can't we use yes, the word genius? Absolutely. Yeah. And he had the ability to craft and create lyrics and music that were so integral and so much part of moving the story along. It's not just set pieces. What is it, when it comes to singing, the reason that the characters sing is because Words can't do any more justice. They have to sing. Mm -hmm. And I think Sondheim really leans into it. He gives you all the exposition and it's still as deep and it still connects and it's still as relevant. And so you still feel like you're you're really acting and you're still saying it, but you know, it's just coming out musically now, you know, song. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you can kind of see that even in how the script is set up, like the book and the music move very seamlessly with one another. Yes feel like oh, okay the book is doing all the plot points and then you have a song that kind of comes out of nowhere it is it's all blended connected really organic yes yeah. even as we're running through and starting to put the show together it really does have a nice flow to mm -hmm. it it feels almost kind of shakespearean in that way it's a show that can constantly keep moving yes you don't really need to stop and make big changes to move to the next thing what's your vision for the woods and this world that we're going to yeah. enjoy Actually, a, a lot of that's coming from our, our technical director and our set designer. And her name is Kylie. She's worked a lot with Little Theater. And she just had this really great concept. For the fantasy world, there's this mixture and this blend of the old, earthy woods that you're familiar with, but then also kind of integrated with metal and steel and the, this urban kind of city landscape. And it's like combining into one. It's, she just really imagined this world that's created by the mind that is that, that feels like the traditional woods that you've seen before with the storybooks and the forest and the towers, but also something that's, that's intermixed with a modern-day cityscape. So, you know, that way you're able to see instantly that, okay, this is not quite the woods that I've seen before, but it's also rooted in reality because as you move from Act 1 into Act 2, as the woods starting to be destroyed and things like that, I don't want to give away too much, right? <laughs> but as things start to fall apart, you start to see the mental fantasy collapsing. So it's, it's just really cool to be able to see it visually. <laughs> yeah. We always know that Little Theater prides itself on having live musicians. Is that the case for you this time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, we, so we're going to have live musicians. It's all going to be done with live music and orchestration and the different instruments and things like that. So that's really nice. But we're also going to be utilizing a lot of sound as well. Sound, sound effects. So our musical director, Lee Ellis, is also working with Holly Baker. So Holly Baker, you know, it's, it's very well known in this area. And they've both been amazing to work with. And then for our sound, our sound designer is, uh, is Dr. Mike Little, who works at King's and does a lot of sound. He's just really well known for his sound design. So we're going to be using a lot of that as like a narrative element as well, especially because you have the giant that shows up. So like, how are we going to play with that? How do we make this giant something that's that's real but not quite real? It's, it's opened up a lot of really great creative opportunity. The, the thing about it is I think that we have a great cast. Mm -hmm. I think even in the midst of telling a story that's about so much trauma and so much hardship for the characters, I think working with the cast is what makes it so enjoyable. You get to step into that world, but also step out of that world and actually engage with everyone else around you and enjoy the process of it. And so we just have a team that's so willing. They're so excited about telling the story. It's just been an amazing process so far. So 
every time I leave rehearsal, I'm like, I'm ready to come back for more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. Is there something particular as we sit here and forests are burning and <laughs> the heat is rising exponentially and lake meat is drying up and that sort of thing? Is there anything about this show that is conscious about the way we live in the world? Yeah, you know, I, I would say so. You know, and kind of looking at the central themes that we're pulling out of it is this idea that when life gets hard, it's very easy to create a fantasy world where you can kind of avoid the problems that you're dealing with. So one of the central themes that we're kind of pulling from this is this idea of, you know, these characters, once they're able to embrace what their trauma is and not run away from it and, and fully live in that fact that this is a part of me, once they're able to do that, they're able to move forward. They're able to move past the woods in, in a number of different ways. Everybody has their own different way. But, you know, again, we're not giving away too much, but that's essentially where we're tying that in. And this idea of embracing your trauma and facing your trauma is just something that was so universal. I, everyone has trauma in their lives, whether they know it consciously or subconsciously. So that was something that universal truth we wanted to pull out of that. And even looking into the world, the fantasy worlds that we create, I think we, as an audience member, stepping back and being able to watch the characters go along this journey, I think they can find similarities just because there's a lot of decision making that has to be made. And that's a question of morality and making the right choice. And are we going to work together or are we going to follow our own selfish needs? So I think it is also something that will challenge the audience in a way that they will also look back and see, oh, this is kind of like my world too. How, how am I making these choices? Now, you talked about how you got into it, Jamil, and that Scott invited you in, and the theater was very conscious in these times of opening up roles and actively promoting diversity and inclusion. What does that concept do to the themes of the play? Yeah, you know, in, in kind of the initial looking at it, one of the reasons that I stuck to this concept is because essentially, you know, I feel sometimes you know, being a person of color, sometimes the idea of mental health and being able to really have that strength to ask for help or, you know, being at least being open to tackling and facing the problem. That's something that I feel like for people of color isn't something it, it is always as accessible, whether it's society or whether and I can't speak for every single person. Right. But I feel like looking at it in a more general sense, it's this idea that I can't ask for help. All right. Or asking for help can be considered weak or not or not strong. So that that's kind of where I was looking at it through this realm, because I, I wanted a message that I feel like could could be connected to by people of color. But then also that's something that's universal as well. So kind of keeping in mind that if we have actors that are people of color, we also have to keep in mind that our audience might not necessarily be people of color. So that's why I wanted to go with this kind of more universal concept that can kind of be touched by everyone. And what do you think, Manu, about the themes, the reverberations of having a mixed cast? For me, it's been an amazing experience. It's luckily not rare. It's not staying rare. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that this experience has really been very enlightening. It's been uplifting. I think it it is also highlighting the fact that as a community, it doesn't matter what nationality, race, ethnicity you are, we still share the same problems mm -hmm. and we still have to work together in solving those problems. And so it to me is just more about coming together as a community and showing the strength of our community instead of focusing in on so much of everyone's ethnicity and race. 
Tell me what songs you like. Which one you you really like? Ooh, I would say I would say this is so bad, but I really love the Wolves' uh, "Hello Little Girl." I think that's just mm-hmm. a fun number, yeah, just yeah. to see. Good day, young lady. Good day, Mr. Wolf. And also Little Red's number after that. Uh, I know things now. I think that's a number for all of us. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mama said straight ahead, not to delay or be misled. I should have heeded her advice, but he seemed so nice. And he showed me things, many beautiful things, that I hadn't thought to explore. They were off my path, so I never had dared. I had been so careful, I never had cared. And he made me feel excited, well, excited and scared. Absolutely, yeah. And there are so many that are so universal. I know um, ones that are particularly striking to me, actually, is uh, is No More. Because that, that one strikes me kind of personally because me growing up I didn't really have my father in my life Mm -hmm. like my biological father so just seeing that exchange between the baker and another character that I'm not going to say because I just realized I don't want to spoil it (laughs) but you know essentially you kind of get to see that exploration and that's something that just really hits me so personally so every time I see that in fact we were just rehearsing it the other day Mm -hmm. and it just really tugs at my heartstrings no more questions please no more tests comes the day you say what for please no more we disappoint we disappear we die but we don't what they disappoint in turn i fear forgive though they won't. but in terms of chaotic kind of sandheimy style I really love Your Fault. That's one of my favorites. Uh, you know, it's when everyone's kind of turning on each other. And it's just great. It's just really fast and very quippy. And you have multiple people speaking over each other. And it's just, I just love it. I love the chaotic energy of it. Me so, too, me too. Yeah. It's because of you there's a giant in our midst and my wife is dead. But it isn't my fault. I was given those beans. You persuaded me to trade away my cow for beans. And without those beans, there'd have been no stalk to get up to the giants in the first place. Wait a minute, magic beans for a cow so old that you had to tell a lie to sell it which you told. Were they worthless beans? Were they oversold? Or tell us who persuaded you to steal that gold? See, it's your fault. No. So it's your fault. No. Yes, it is. It's not. It's true. Wait a minute, but I only stole the gold to get my cow back from you. So it's your fault. Yes. No, it isn't. I'd have kept those beans, but our house was cursed. She made us get a how to get the curse reversed. It is father's fault that the curse got placed and the place got cursed in the first place. Oh, but it's his fault. No. It was his fault. No. Yes, it is. It is. I guess. Wait a minute. Though I chopped down the beanstalk, right? That's clear, but without any beanstalk, then what's queer is how did the second giant get down here in the first place? Second place. Yeah. How? Well, who had the other bean? The other bean. The other bean. You pocketed the other bean. I didn't. Yes, I did. So it's your fault. No, it isn't, because I gave it to my wife. So it's her. No, it isn't. Then who's this? Wait a minute. She exchanged that bean to obtain your shoes. So the one who knows what happened to the bean. Is you? Yes. Wait a minute, you haven't done it to 
and you had left the half alone, would you be in trouble in the first place? She had the soul in the first place. You're responsible. You're the one to You mentioned coming up to Harrisburg to do Shakespeare. Is there anything Shakespearean about this piece? Ooh, um, like Midsummer Night's Dream, where we go off into the forest. One hundred percent, I would say that's a very close connection because it is. It's it's very fantastical, and I think that it's it's really interesting to create a world where the characters have to step into a world that they've never been before. So I one hundred percent think it's very Shakespearean. There's so many so many bits that we have now, so many comedic moments. I think the audience is going to have a really good time laughing at all of it. Yeah, kind of flip between the, the comedy and the drama. That's definitely something that I wanted to explore, too, because I remember doing the first day pitch and listening back to it. I was like, wow, I made this sound like a two-hour court drama. It's like, so we need to find the lightness in it and well as well in the humor. And I, and I think just the way it's built the way the script and the music is made is that it almost feels like two separate plays. So like act one is a play and then act two is a, is a different play with the same characters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're really trying to lean on that in terms of acting choices and performance styles as well. Again, you know, as you see things kind of progress, how do these, how are these characters go from these heightened fairy tale characters and start to, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of devolve into who they actually are as human beings. So you really kind of get to see that raw, just, organic i'm a human being i'm no longer like the baker i'm no longer the wolf i'm no longer the witch right these are all people dealing with those problems we heard from director jamil powers and actor lionel griffin speaking about into the woods to be presented by the little theater of wilkes-barre Opening August 12th, running through the 21st, Fridays and Saturdays at 8, Sundays at 3, at the Little Theater 537 North Main Street in Wilkes-Barre. We have a chance to check the website for all the details, ltwb.org, ltwb.org. Into the Woods is part of the theater's 100th anniversary season, and as we just heard, The Little Theater is presenting this as part of its cultural inclusion outreach, and they're producing Into the Woods, giving preference to people of color in all creative and technical positions. Again, Into the Woods, Stephen Sondheim, James Lapine, and it's presented by the Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre, 537 North Main Street, opening August 12th and running through the 21st, Fridays and Saturdays at 8 p.m., Sundays at 3. For more information on the web, ltwb.org, ltwb.org, or the box office, area code 570-823-1875, 823-1875, area code 